Okay. Welcome to the Whole Equestrian Podcast. We're here bridging the gap between riding and wellness. Discussing topics related to mindset, fitness, nutrition, and community. Our mission is to promote health and happiness through our love of horses. I'm Emily Hamill, an international five-star level eventer, dedicated practitioner of yoga, Pilates, and meditation, personal development enthusiast, and plant-strong athlete, recording in my new home away from home, Cheltenham, England. And I'm Tyler Held, a semi-retired professional five-star groom and sport and performance psychology doctoral student slash practitioner, a lifelong learner in the areas of mindset, positive thinking, and motivationer. I am a gym owner and a blue belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, and I am recording this from my home in Chester County, Pennsylvania. What an introduction. That's good. Well... I- I feel I was I was caught up on um, Chetlaham, England. I I don't think I said that right. <laughs> you definitely did not Cheltenham, Cheltenham. But like Chel- people say it really fast here, so it's just like Cheltenham. So Cheltenham. That's how the locals say it. But anyways, how before before we get too deep in our intro, um, how has England been? What's new and exciting over there? Uh, it's been great. Um, the weather has been pretty mild, but this week it's supposed to be warmer. It's warmer today. Like, it hasn't been bad. It's just been, like, not typical summer weather. You know, we've had temperatures kind of hanging out in the 50s and 60s, and I know you guys are getting, like, hot weather there, aren't you? Yeah, it was, like, uh, 90 yesterday. We got hit with some pretty uh, good thunderstorms this morning. So cooled off a little bit. We've had a couple really beautiful days in the 70s and 80s, but um, the first official day of summer is right around the corner. So Mm -hmm. um, definitely going to be experiencing that hot humidity here soon. Yeah, I'm not going to miss that. It's actually perfect riding weather here, so I'm, I'm enjoying that. So, well, enough on that or... Shall we dive into yeah, the next thing? Yeah. Okay. Well, welcome everyone. Tyler and Emily record. <laughs> yeah. From overseas. Right. Just trying to catch up mid podcast. Anyways, uh, welcome or welcome back to the whole Equestrian Podcast. As we said in our intro, our mission is to promote health and happiness through our love of horses, and we do this by having conversations about being more well-rounded individuals through our pillars, which are mindset, fitness, nutrition, and community. We release one main episode a month, but have also had some exciting guests on the show, so make sure to go back in the archives and check those out. Uh, This month, we're going to center our conversation around how to be the best working student you can be. Um, And I know some of our listeners maybe have no interest in being a working student, but I really feel like this conversation is going to have something for everyone in it. Uh, Maybe topics will translate to other jobs. Maybe it will give you some empathy for the working student in your barn. Most barns have them. Um, You know, it's going to be an adventure. Who knows what you might learn? So before we introduce this main topic throughout our pillars, Uh, let's check in on our goals and our latest reads, something that we always do on the podcast to keep you guys inspired, motivated, and uh, make sure that you're meeting your book goals for the year. Love that. So my word of the year is value, and I am really learning to value my time while I'm here. Um, I'm very fortunate to have more free time at the moment just because I'm not like working like I did um, when I was in the States. You know, I am focusing on Barry. I am riding and teaching a little bit here and there, which I enjoy, but it's a much more relaxed pace. Um, and because I have more free time, it's really given me the opportunity to think about how I want to spend my time moving forward. You know, I've had a lot more time to do things that I have been putting off, like my yoga teacher training, um, you know, just some other like self-care things. I've had more time 
for um, yoga in general and meeting new people here. I've met some really cool people through the barn and through like friends of friends. Um, and I do value making connections and trying to find, you know, like-minded people and have interesting conversations. So I am definitely valuing that. Um, and then as far as goals this year go, um, I was kind of focusing on this being like the year of the twos because it's 2022. And right now with this time on my hands, I am trying to figure out how to bring like the two sides of myself together. You know, sometimes it's, um, I don't know, you know, like obviously I love horses and that's my passion, but I also have all these other passions and, you know, I enjoy like actual real people things and you know I'm trying to figure out how to bring those two sides of myself together moving forward you know in like business and life and personal endeavors um, so I don't know that that's necessarily a very specific goal <laughs> you know like we always talk about make specific um, goals but uh, that's kind of what I'm working towards at the moment so yeah I love that sort of sentiment of, you know, this isn't a really specific goal, but it's something that I'm exploring right now. And I was actually talking to uh, some ladies that I was doing a mindset clinic with about how sometimes specific goals can be really debilitative, right? If you're going into every ride and you're like, oh, I have to be so focused on what's my specific goal for today, um, you know, sometimes it's like an overcommitment and it takes away from the enjoyment of, you know, really finding the passion in what you do and why you're doing it. And so I really think that kind of speaks to what you're saying there of, okay, I'm getting to take time and explore two sides of myself. And maybe this goal isn't very clear or certain, but it's very applicable to future enjoyment in your life. And I feel like this sort of space that you're in is perfect for that because uh it's something that I'm going through as well of I really decided in November that hey I've got a year left of my doctorate and I feel like I've spread myself really thin doing coursework and I really want to focus on my practice and my school well I'm used to having a full-time job and doing school and doing this and doing that and so it's really hard for me to dial back and be like, oh, am I doing enough right now? But also then finding the opportunities to explore things that might not be uh, financially beneficial, but are spiritually beneficial to me and like just kind of go through like, well, how am I balancing that? Um, and on a day where I'm at the gym teaching kids classes and, you know, attending my classes, manning my memberships, like that can take four hours out of my evening. And so it's really tempting to fill my day from, you know, the hours that I'm used to, which is, you know, seven to four or five. But if I do that, I end up working 12, 13 hour days, which, you know, I'm no stranger to, but finding value in other areas of life of hey it doesn't all just have to be a grind all the time and sometimes taking a step back to do things that you enjoy can be really powerful and really beneficial yes I agree 100% I think you described that beautifully so um <laughs> now tell me about your year I guess maybe you've you've talked about it a little bit just now but how is your word helping you this year? Yeah, so my word is growth. And I think like it's just because I'm growing a lot of things right now. I'm growing my business. I'm growing, well, but both of my businesses really, because as I finish my doctorate, um, I'm starting to gather clients. Uh, I just hit a uh, hundred hours of consulting basically uh i have to get a total of 200 to get my doctorate in december um and my apply for cmpc which is certified mental performance coach so i've kind of just been gathering clients and growing that business and then also growing the membership in my gym growing myself uh growing 
some new and important relationships I've found in my life and just sort of really trying to find uh, along the lines of what you're talking about of this idea of balance and, you know, knowing what's important and how can I make life decisions based on like what I value in the year. So uh, I think it's kind of powerful how our two words work together, really, because I feel like when I think about growth, like it's what do I value? What do I need to grow um, based on my values? And honestly, it's been so wonderful to get to work with the clients that I have worked with. And, you know, it's not a easy success story for everyone, but getting to see the change that I'm having in people's lives is really important for me it's it feels like all the work that I've put in is starting to pay off and um, you know a lot of my motivation towards sport and performance psychology is the ability to help people and if I'm being completely honest when I first started my degrees it was more of a selfish thing for me I wanted to know why I had failed in equestrian sports I wanted to know where my shortcomings in mindset were and through this process of self-exploration and um, growing in the ways that I have personally I feel like I have become like a huge asset in helping other people grow um, and not in terms of just hey I want to go win this event or I want to go um, look really good to everyone else but I want to find enjoyment in my sport and so really bringing the idea that we have in this podcast that says, hey, we're here bridging the gap between riding and wellness, promoting health and happiness through our love of horses. Like to me, that's my theoretical orientation of performance excellence. Like you are excellent when you can enjoy what you're doing. Um, and so I really, really like that. And then um, my sort of goals framework for the year has been the year of the 22. Um, I put down like read 22 books, work with 22 new sports psychology clients, um, limit myself to 22 minutes of social media a day. I think I had down that I wanted to compete in 22 jujitsu competitions. I don't think I'm going to make that one just because I had a couple... Um, you know, setbacks in the beginning of the year, like the first tournament I was supposed to do, I had COVID and like all this stuff, but that was like a sort of a reach goal. And I'm still, I'm still getting one to two competitions on the schedule every month. Um, and let's see, I'm at 18 of 22 books. I'm pretty sure I've hit 22 sports psychology clients. So I'd love to just keep, keep gathering those. Um, the one thing that I've been pretty bad about honestly is my social media and when we first talked about this you know I talked about setting a barrier where I actually have my phone tell me like hey you've reached your limit and as a rule follower I'm pretty good about okay like that's my limit you know I just have to stop right now but now that I'm managing you know stuff for the whole equestrian I've got my gym account I've got my sort of Monday morning motivation stuff that I do that are like producing social media I find on those days when I'm creating content I'm like well does that really count as my social media consumption and then I'll hit ignore the limit and I just kind of blur the line of consumption versus production I also do have like a couple clients that I communicate with via social media so I'll be like oh well I need to check my messages and so just kind of uh it is easy to get in the habit of like ignoring those barriers. Like once you do it once, it's like, oh, it's not a big deal. And so that's something that, you know, in the second half of the year here, I'd really like to like re uh, get on track with because uh, I do find myself maybe falling into the social media trap too much. Yeah, that's a tough one because, I mean, you are putting a lot of stuff out there and I don't think that that should count towards your 22 um, but maybe there's a way yep. you can hack it because, you know, Facebook has that like meta business suite. So that's like a completely different app. So you could create on that app and then yep. you could consume on the other apps and then have your, you know, barrier, your timers be on those. I don't know. Just throwing it out there. But I see, mm -hmm. yeah, where that could be really difficult. So, but it sounds like you're trying, you're working on it, you're aware of how much you're on it, so. Yeah, and I think that's, like, the first thing is, like, self-regulation and then, like, noticing 
um, when it's debilitative, right? Like I've started to notice, you know, if I'm sitting and trying to set an intention to read some stuff about sports psychology, work with my clients, work with my practice, it's like, okay, you know, like if I literally stop to check my phone, like that's not, that's not my time to produce content or check in on my social media. Like I need to like set boundaries. Makes sense. Yeah. All right. Do you think we're going to be able to do this today? I I have faith. I believe that we can do this. Okay. And you believe that it's time for books, books, books. 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 Ooh, that was pretty good. Such a failure. You don't think that was good? You think? I thought we were pretty spot on. Completely. No. I don't know. I don't know if maybe. Maybe there's a lag in uh, our call or something because to me, I said it and then you said it like 10 seconds later. No, I don't think so. I think you're going to be surprised when you listen back to it. But anyways, enough of that. Uh, The book that I read this past month is The Midnight Library by Matt Haim. And it was so Good. It was kind of like how you felt about the last book you shared. What was it called? Supermarket or something? Yep. Okay. Yep. So I think I felt similarly about this book as you did to that book. And um, it's funny because the book just happened to be in the Airbnb that I'm renting over here. And I like, you know, there's a couple books and I was like, oh, you know, I need something new to read. And this one just reading the back jumped out at me. Uh, but basically it's a novel that shows you how your choices in life can create infinite possibilities. So it's almost like about alternate realities, but, um, in a really cool, interesting way. Basically the, um, main character of the book, she is having a hard time in her life. Like nothing's going well. She actually like tries to take her life um, because, like, she just is feeling hopeless. But then she gets sent to, like, when she is unconscious and, you know, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. But she gets sent to this, like, midnight library, which is why the book is called that. But it's basically this place in her mind or whatever that has like an infinite number of books and you she can just like pick up one and it's a story of her life and like how if she would have done something different she would have been like would be living this life and so you know she'll like pick up a book and start reading and then she enters this life and like actually lives it and then once she's not like if she finds herself not happy with that life she goes back to the library picks up another book And then, like, the whole time, the librarian was like, if you find a life that you like, you know, you can stay in it. And I'm not going to ruin the story, but basically she goes through, like, all these lives and things that she thought would have made her happy, you know, maybe turn out to not make her happy. And then she comes to this really cool conclusion at the end of it. Um, But, yeah, I just, I thought it was, like, a joy to read. And it also gave you a lot to think about because it was, like, really magnified how your life choices, something even super small, can make a big difference in your trajectory in life. So I highly suggest that. Well, I'm definitely going to have to put that on my list. I feel like I uh, I need another uh, nonfiction to put on – or, sorry, fiction. I always get those confused – Right? It's yeah. like, why would fiction, we call it non? Yeah. I don't Fiction, non fiction. Another fiction book. Non-fake. Yeah. But, yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot. But, to um, but I love that. And uh, I'm kind of the alternate realities thing. Um, are you are you Marvel at all, Emily? Like, do you watch any of no, the Marvel movies? I, not because I'm like opposed to it. I just like haven't ever gotten into it. Gotcha. So, like, Doctor Strange is one of my favorite Marvel characters, and, like, the most recent uh, Doctor Strange movie is all about the multiverse, and, Mm. like, there's kind of this theory that every time you're dreaming, like, you're actually seeing yourself in in an alternate universe, and 
uh, that was a really great movie. And I kind of love that sort of like idea and concept of like alternate realities. I kind of, I joke about that all the time. So I'm definitely, um, right after we finish this recording, I'm going to go to the local library and see if they have a copy, um, and put place a hold online for it if it's checked out or something like that because that sounds fantastic it's really good the only thing I would say is it's like an it's a British book so I don't know if it'll be okay in American libraries I mean not that like books don't get filtered through different countries but like I'm not sure how popular it is worldwide but it's Anyway, I hope you can find it. If not, maybe I'll bring you yeah. this copy back. See if I can. Yeah, or I'm sure if it's not in the library, it's on Amazon. So I'll, yeah. I'll do, I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. Okay. Even if I have to pay European shipping. <laughs> like, you know, you know how I am about books. I, I do. And like I said, I'm on 18 of 22. So I need, I, I know I'm going to finish that before. I mean, it's only June. I know yes. I'm going to finish my book goal this year. But uh, I mean, I'm already halfway through number I'm actually halfway through two books right now. So like 19 and 20 are both in their works. I have one sports psychology book that's like, it basically tells the story of a different sport and performance psychologist, like every chapter. So like, I don't read that one, like as a cover to cover thing, I've kind of been reading it since the beginning of the year for like inspiration for clients and stuff like that. So that I've kind of been chipping away at while I'm reading my other books, but definitely, uh, definitely we'll put that on the list. And my most recent read was a book called the heart and other monsters by Rose Anderson. Um, no surprises here that it falls into the memoir genre. (laughs) Y'all know I've been on my memoir kick. Um, but this was actually a really interesting and like uniquely written memoir because uh, it was sort of like a exploratory thing. Uh, it was a sister wrote it for her her sister who had died of an overdose. But then there's all sorts of like layers to the story that it turns out that there was other things involved and it might not have been an overdose like it could have been a murder and she goes through and is investigating and like sending stuff into the police and stuff like that um and I mean it's obviously like a sad story addressing issues of addiction control how to provide help and support because they kind of go through like interventions that they've done and like places that they could like potentially failed the sister um I just feel like it was different uh writing style than some of the books that I've been reading recently not different in a bad way uh just different in sort of unique chapter structure language and again like sort of this idea that um this sister was writing the book to sort of create closure on this situation that really didn't have closure um so I you know not not one of my oh my gosh you have to go read this book recommendations but also um I thought it was interesting and a good read so cool that's where I am all right so so you want to be a working student That's our main yes. topic. Not yes, a great that intro is, there. That is our main topic. So you want to be a working student. What is it like? Uh, so you want to be a millionaire? Is that the so, reference that we're making? I think what I don't. Yeah, I think maybe that's it. The millionaire thing. Yeah. The other thing that's coming in my head is like, are you smarter than a that's, fifth grader? That was but the same thing. Like... Yeah. <laughs> that's so funny because literally that went through my head too. And I was like, wait, that doesn't even, that's not even the same. That, that doesn't parallel at all. Yeah. Are you smarter than a fifth grader? Well, actually, you know what? You maybe need to be smarter than a fifth grader to be a working student. For sure. I think not that's sure a, I, I think that that's definitely something that needs to, <laughs> to be. Uh-huh. So anyways, uh, I guess we'll just kind of give some like background on like what inspired us to do this episode. Um, And again, like I feel like a lot of our listeners are maybe not in the working student realm. We've got some adult amateurs. We've got um, maybe a younger crowd, maybe some younger professionals that listen. But I feel like, 
you know, so this conversation is going to be, again, applicable to everyone. And a lot of the adult amateurs that I talked to, especially when I was in the realm of a working student, they were like, oh, you're so lucky. I wish I had had the opportunity to do what you wanted, you know, do what you did. Um, And I just want to give a special shout out to all the, you know, nice people in the horse world that were in that situation of like, hey, I'm an adult amateur and I have my professional job and then I come into the barn and this is my fun thing after work and they saw me as a working student, would bring me food, make sure I'm taken care of, maybe lend a hand, rolling polo wraps, cleaning tack, anything like that. But um, like I said, the call to action here kind of involves a shift of focus from both sides, right? As working students, um, this episode is going to be for you, right? Uh, There is a lot of challenges that are associated with being a working student. It's long days, it's hard labor, it's dedication, um, not necessarily the greatest opportunities for pay, compensation, um, always sort of this idea of like, what value do you place in this opportunity? Like how... Why do you want to do this? What are you getting out of it? And then I feel like there's a conversation on the flip side that like professionals providing working student positions like have this idea that kids these days don't want to work. And like fair enough, I know that that is a very real thing. I know that there are definitely working student horror stories Well, you'll get someone in and they just don't have the capacity to be on their feet and... Um, they'll leave in the middle of the night because it's more than they expected or, you know, there's definitely severe cases on the side of this is not a good situation, but there's also this weird expectation in working student positions where like you'll go years without making a doctor's appointment or a dentist appointment because you never know what your day off is going to be or uh, there's some like unspoken rule that you're not allowed to eat lunch during the day like we just don't have time and you know you can't take a sick day because the horses need you and I honestly feel like barns that have that mentality are improperly run barns like there should be structure in hard work so that it's like hey we have this expectation that this is the schedule for the day this is how we're going to work really hard like you look in the schedule you see where you can find the time to like take a little break to eat lunch like know what's important and what needs to get done but also like have some sort of sense of autonomy for the worker of like okay yeah like you can make a doctor's appointment on a week that we don't have a horse show. That makes sense. Or, um, you know, we have enough staff that if you are sick, like, I mean, especially I feel like maybe it shifted a bit during COVID. I just know that when I was a working student, like I did not take a sick day. Like I was sick. I would go to the barn. Like maybe COVID has made it more like, okay, yeah, you can't be here right now if you're sick, but just sort of like a double edge sword that we're talking about when we're looking at this working student position of as professionals hosting working student jobs there needs to be some sort of give to make these positions more sustainable and then as a working student here are some of the things that you can do with your mindset fitness nutrition and community to make it something that you can do sustainably perfectly said I could not agree with you more. And I think um, the biggest thing is understanding that it takes two, right? Professionals need working students. Working students need professionals. Like, it, you know, I think there needs to be a an understanding and kind of like a gratitude from both sides. And also to make it successful, communication's got to be key. Um, I think a lot of problems that happen in the barn and let's face it pretty much all areas of life uh boil down to lack of communication uh or proper communication or understanding like what you need and um what you need to give in return so yeah good stuff should we jump into our pillars on this emily i think we should 
So to start it off with mindset, I think the biggest thing that a working student can bring to the table is having an open mind and a willingness to learn. Uh, I think when you start a new program, you need to like commit fully. Obviously, you need to stay aware while you're in it and make sure that it's still like a good fit for you. But I think it's really important when you, you know, on day one, you're like, okay, I'm here. I'm here to learn. This is a new program. Yes, I may have some knowledge before this in ways I like to do things, but I think you need to really be open to how this program does things, especially at first. And then, you know, maybe as you get more comfortable in the program, you can make some suggestions if you think that things need to be changed. But when you first come in, it's just that, okay, I'm here to learn. Like, tell me what's up. Uh, I think that that is a very good quality to have in a working student. Um, and there's obviously other skill sets that are really important as well that I think also fall under the mindset category. So being patient, um, especially like with the horses, with the clients in the barn, uh, it can be obviously stressful with the long hours and hard work, but I, I think patience is really key and that's something that you can control, you know, and if you find yourself getting impatient with a horse, let's just say, you know, really try to like take a second to breathe and think about why, you know, you're acting this way and again remembering like you have control to choose how you react. Um, Another really important thing for me personally, like that I like to look for in working students is someone who pays attention to detail. So it's not just like, okay, how's the fat, like, how can we get this done the fastest? But it's like, how can we get this done well and to a high enough standard? Um, I, I think that attention to detail is something that comes with age you know it's if you start out as a younger working student it's probably going to take you a while to figure out what details you're actually looking for you know like what's important versus what's not um but just that awareness of all of the the details um and then another super important thing is to be honest and um I think that's relatively self-explanatory, but, you know, it's okay to admit if you don't know how to do something. Like, I would much rather have a working student, like, if I ask them to do something and they don't know, I would much rather have them tell me and I can explain uh, versus them being like, oh, I should know this, like, I'm just going to figure it out and then, you know, having something go poorly because of that. Um, yeah, so I don't know if you have anything to add to that, Tyler, but those are my big things that I like in, in a working student. Yeah, I feel like everything that you said under mindfulness, or sorry, under mindset really fits into this idea of mindfulness, right? Mindful people, people that are in the present moment are patient. They have attention to detail. They have this ability to like be honest with themselves because they're honest in the moment. And then sort of that open mind willingness to learn is uh, that growth mindset that we've talked about before on the podcast of like, I may feel like I have a certain skill set, a certain thing that I bring, but I'm always willing to learn, always willing to grow. Um, and I think that that is just like so powerful for these positions, right? Again, it's going to be challenging. It's going to be hard. Uh, sometimes you're going through the motions, going through the day, and you can look ahead to everything that you have to do. And if you kind of just take a breath and check them off one thing at a time and get into the present moment, then that day is going to flow a lot easier. And sort of what I wanted to bring to the table for mindset was a discussion that we've again had before on the podcast, which is the distinction between having to do something versus getting to do something. Because I feel like no one's forcing you to be a working student. There's better paying jobs for a fraction of the work. I know like 
Boyd literally said, like, you can make more at McDonald's per hour uh, than coming here to be a working student. Like, you literally, you have to really want this. And so if you walk around and like, oh, I have to do X, Y, and Z, you're putting a really negative connotation to it. Whereas when you put get to, you add this sense of gratitude and this sense of autonomy, which is a word that I feel like I keep bringing up. So I want to break that down a little bit further because for me, the key to a successful working student position from both sides of the professional and the working student comes from a theory that's called uh, self-determination theory so or like a psychological needs theory and there's three things that you need to feel fulfilled and that's autonomy relatedness and competence and if you think about working student jobs there are ways that those three things can get stripped away right uh, your autonomy gets stripped away when you feel like you're not in control of your own life, your, what you're doing. You feel like you're just being told what to do and you're in this have-to mindset of someone else is telling me what I have to do all hours of the day. I don't feel like I can make a doctor's appointment. I don't feel like I have time to eat my lunch. Like all this stuff of that takes away autonomy. So how can you take back autonomy and how can professionals create a sense of autonomy in their positions? relatedness now some places have uh, a whole group of working students where you can all connect and uh, be together my first two working student jobs I was oftentimes the only one there or just like me and one other person and so my sense of relatedness would go away so how can I gather back my sense of like connection and relatedness to other people and then competence, right? You want to feel like you're good at what you're doing. And sometimes going into a working student job, it can be really overwhelming. And so competence can be applied to like, hey, I'm just competent in what Emily said, being willing to learn, being open. Like it, it can be really frustrating uh, if you've been in horses your whole life and then you go into a position that's like, hey, your standard of care doesn't measure up to what we're doing. That creates this sort of sense of psychological unease and tension because what you believe to be true is not meeting the standards of the position that you're in. And so being able to be patient through that and gather a sense of confidence through learning, I think is super important. Perfect. Like I'm, I'm learning a lot listening to you, Tyler. This is, this is good stuff. Yeah. That's, that's honestly a framework that I use for sports psychology too. Like in your sport, like what's your sense of autonomy? What's your sense of relatedness? What's your sense of competence? And when one or more of those things is missing, like how can you take that back so that you can feel fulfilled so that you can do the best that you can. That goes back to sort of our analogy of putting your own oxygen mask on first. Like I have to be fulfilling these needs so that I can be a productive worker, a productive individual so that I can give back to this bar and this environment. And so what I think a lot of professionals don't understand is that if they can provide an opportunity that gives these three things to workers, they're going to get more out of those workers than if they're just putting like a really strict barrier on it. Like if someone knows that, you know, they can ask for a weekend off when there's nothing going on, like there's no horse show and they're going to get that, they're going to work harder at the horse show because they feel like they have this sense of, okay, I'm in control of my own life. I can do the things I want to do. Not that horses isn't what I want to do, but I feel like there's just this expectation in the horse industry that it should be all horses all the time. And that's why we're burning out our working student force. That's why working students leave in the middle of the night is because they feel trapped and they feel no sense of autonomy. Couldn't agree more. Really good. Um, so our next pillar is fitness. And, you know, I guess you could easily say that working students get plenty of exercise all day, which they do. You know, you're on your feet all day, but it's important to still make time for other physical activity outside of the barn. And for me personally, like yoga and stretching things is what I like to do out of the barn because um, 
you know, I think there can be a lot of wear and tear on your joints if you're riding a lot um, and everything's kind of compressing and and your muscles are actually shortening at times when you're riding. So doing things where you can expand, you can stretch um, and just have some more slow mindful movement is um, the way I like to go to get my fitness outside of the barn. And obviously, you know, you also want to make sure that you're, you're strong enough, you know, you have the right strength, you have the right stamina. So possibly some other cross training could be beneficial as well. Um, whether that be like going to the gym, lifting some weights, um, doing more aerobic exercise, like running or swimming. Um, but that's just kind of on a personal level and what you feel like you need to do your job to the best of its ability and also keep your body happy. Yeah, and Emily, I like that you added in some of those ideas of strength training because I feel like when I initially started CrossFit, there was part of a motivation um, of okay, I had transitioned from being a working student to a vet tech job, which like there's some physical aspects of being a vet tech, but not as extreme as the working student job. And so I wanted to make sure I kept up that base level of fitness. But as soon as I started doing that sport in particular, like I realized how important it is to no proper lifting techniques, right? Like when you go to an away show and you've got, you know, 200, 300 pound trunks that you're moving around, you could set yourself up for a really bad weekend, especially if you're riding yourself, mm -hmm. uh, throwing out your back, lifting these trunks around. And I, you know, I, I'm laughing about that now. Like that's happened to Jenny before she's, she was literally like helping us move the trunks and she's like, Oh crap. Like I threw out my back. I'm like, well, you have to ride. And so knowing how to deadlift something properly, how to use your back, your core muscles properly it with like weights can help you in this job of lifting things like trunks, water buckets, like all sorts of different like physical things. And, and to your point, you don't want to stress yourself out too much. Like I definitely have been in a place where I was working and then I felt like I had to be at CrossFit every day, had to be doing all this extra exercise. And that did put stress on my body that wasn't beneficial, but like sort of knowing what is facilitative and what is debilitative to your performance, giving yourself the permission to see your job as physical exercise. Cause well, like one of my favorite studies, uh, in the sort of exercise realm was done on these housemaids. So they literally go through a hotel and they take half of the staff and they say, Hey, by the way, the exercise that you do day to day is fulfilling your daily exercise needs. And that 50% of the staff after like a 30 day period has better uh, cardiovascular scores, like all these health monitors on them go down or like in a good way, they get benefited because they believe that they're doing enough. Whereas the 50% that just kept doing the same amount of physical activity, but don't believe that they're getting the right amount of physical activity, they like don't see any health improvements. And so there is that power of belief of like, hey, yeah, I am doing a lot. This is fulfilling a physical requirement. But then for me, the fitness side is how am I taking care of my body? how can I get stronger so that I can be more effective? What lifting techniques can I learn so that I don't hurt my back? Um, you know, what area of my body do I need to get stronger? What area of my body do I need to get more supple? And then sort of fill in the gaps there. Um, and I feel like having an abundance mindset towards this stuff of, if you go into a working student day and you're like, well, I'm already on my feet from seven to four, I don't have the capacity for anything else. I feel like you can really easily fall into the trap of I waste so much energy at work that I don't have the energy for anything else. And that like, you know, something physical would take away. But I feel like if you have something to look forward, either 
you know, in the morning before you go to work or after, that's also a social aspect to it, like a gym community or run club, something like that. Like there is so much value and abundance that can be added. And so instead of looking at it like I'm not, I don't have enough, like having more of an abundance mindset that says like, no, like this is going to give me back strength, give me back, like a yoga practice with a community is going to benefit me in a lot of ways. Um, I just feel like it's so easy to go in day in, day out of, oh gosh, I'm on my feet from seven to four, five, six at night. And then all I have energy for at the end of the night is watching Netflix or, you know, even if, even if you do have days like that, like what can you add in? Like maybe you can stretch while you watch Netflix, like if it's really been a bad day, but trying to pay attention to some level of fitness outside of your job, I think is really beneficial. Absolutely. All right. Nutrition. What do we have? Uh, well, we kind of touched on it earlier in the episode, but it can be easy to like think that you can't eat during the workday, you know, and I've been at Barnes before where it's like, we don't have time to eat, like just keep going, you know, and I personally, I get hangry. You know, so I think it's really important to make time to eat. And even if it's just a quick snack, uh, like a handful of trail mix or, you know, like an apple or anything that you can eat, even if it's just on the move. And maybe that is the way you solve this problem. Like, you know, you throw something in your pocket, you snack on it as you're working, um, I mean, obviously, I wish every barn would give people enough time to have, like, a proper lunch, but if that's not the case, then figure out a way to work around that. So, healthy snacks on the move. That is my suggestion. Yeah, and I feel like, again, going along with this idea of, like, hey, this is a physically laborious job, like, people don't realize how many calories that they need um and I feel like the go-to you know you walk into barns and there's potentially chips sitting around cook like people will bring in cookies and it's just junk food so making the distinction between the calories that you need are like good protein healthy fats healthy carbohydrates and not like just empty calories, like a bag of Doritos. Yeah, you might get calories, calories are energy, but is that actually going to provide your body with the fuel that it needs throughout the day? No, I'm astonished yeah. by the working students that I see living on Dr. Pepper, Doritos and Starbucks, right? Like it's, it's crazy to me. And I feel like if you can enter in you know, a small snack of, honestly, like when you're going in endurance exercise, like uh, to me, being a working student is endurance exercise, whether you're riding horses all day, you're tacking up horses all day, you're moving all day long. And so when you think about the nutrition for that framework of exercise, it is more so small meals throughout the day to sort of keep the energy sources flowing. So have a good breakfast and then have like little things that you can eat every three hours that have, you know, a source of protein, a source of fat, a source of healthy carbohydrates in good balance, that's going to keep your energy going and also avoid the after work binge because I know like anyone that's a working student has experienced this sort of like, oh my God, like I'm so hungry right now. And then you just shovel stuff into your face without enjoying it, without knowing what it is. And, and, and you're not actually refueling your body when you do stuff like that. And so, um, I challenge that, you know, if you are in an environment where there isn't quote unquote time to eat, that a smaller meal every couple of hours um, that doesn't take much time to eat could be more beneficial to you anyways. So uh, just being really mindful and playing around like what sort of food does give me energy. Maybe I'm going to keep dates 
at the barn. Uh, like dates are a great source of healthy carbohydrates. That's just like, all right, let's get this in so that I can keep going and keep pushing. And I'm not going to be absolutely starving by the end of the day. Yeah. Um, totally. And dates, I'm glad you brought that up because that is my favorite snack, but dipped in peanut butter. Like that's the way to do it. You dip your dates in peanut butter? It's so freaking good. Like you should try it because then you also get a good fat source. I'll have to do it with almond butter or sunflower butter because I recently did like an elimination diet Mm -hmm. and I realized that peanut butter just doesn't really sit that well with me. Okay, then some other form of nut butter, but yes, like my my favorite is sunflower butter. Is it? I love dates. Yeah, no, dates are the best and dipped in they're like, peanut butter. Mm. And they're like candy, but not. Right. Like, they're, they're nature's not candy. candy. They're like healthy. Nature's And they've candy. got fiber, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. here's the thing about fruit and stuff is you've got this source of fiber. So if you're eating gummies, it's just like sugar that's going to go straight into your bloodstream but if you eat something like date which is a fruit you've got fiber which then slows down the release of that energy into your bloodstream and it's a more sustained uh source of energy that's not going to provide that crash yep so that nature's uh sweet things are the way to go for sure the moral of the story is go eat some dates get get yourself some dates guys um do you have any other and, or you know dates dates with boys that's good too <laughs> any kind of dates yeah um, any kind of dates <laughs> but before we move on to our next pillar do you have any other quick snack suggestions i'm putting you on the spot here i realize oh uh, you're putting me on the spot okay so like um, you know, not for our plant-based friends, but, uh, I feel like even, I just, like, buy, like, chicken breasts and, like, eat chicken breasts because that's, like, lean protein. Like, it's, you can get already cooked chicken breasts and just kind of eat. Emily's, like, probably cringing right now because she I wants am. to eat grilled chicken out yeah, of the bag. Yeah, I was like, what um, the actual F? But I get it. <laughs> I get it. If you eat meat. That might be a decent suggestion, but try not to do it in front of your plant-based friends. That's all. That's all I'm saying. I like jerky, but, like, to me, that has a lot of sodium in it. So, like, it's not always the best go-to. Like, dates are great. Like, bananas. uh, But doing a banana with a nut butter like Mm -hmm. the again the fat is going to slow down the release of the carbohydrates into your system so it's a more sustained uh thing of energy so when you think about your snacks think about what macronutrients make up that snack do you have a source of protein fat and carbohydrates so bananas are straight carbs well if you add a nut butter to that now you've got your protein and your fat so it's a more balanced sustaining meal and so to me it's not just like food specifically but like what does like how can you bring all three aspects together um you know some sugar snap peas with hummus hummus has protein and fat in it sugar snap peas are a really healthy carbohydrate so like that's something, you know, maybe not the easiest to eat on the go, but I don't know. I guess you have to kind of sometimes just be willing to have a curry comb on one hand and be eating with the other and and, uh, and just be okay with once. that. Yeah. Yep. It's working student life right there. Yeah, so. that's what I do. I mean, I like literally I would sit with my like uh, grilled salmon and like be eating my grilled salmon by hand and currying a horse with another. <laughs> so emily's like this is horrible why did i ask you this why why did i do this a bad idea no it's it's fine advice you know occasionally like maybe wash your hands before you like eat food by hand but we're also probably strengthening our immune system by um ingesting um barn things you know (laughs) like yep dirt and dander and you know we're just making ourselves stronger so exactly exactly on that Um, note all right (laughs) community yes community um all right I think that it can be very easy 
to feel exhausted at the end of the day because you're working long, hard hours. Like, that's just the reality. And uh, when you're tired, you know, it's probably a lot easier to just go home, crash on the couch, watch Netflix, binge eat, perhaps. I don't know. But uh, I think it's really important that you make time to have a social life outside of the barn. And it doesn't have to be every night. Like, actually, it shouldn't be every night. You need some time to yourself. But um, I think a couple times a week, you know, if you can find a way to connect with people outside of the barn, you know, and they might be people that are you're working with in the barn, um, but to do something different together really helps to build a sense of community and just make you feel like, you know, there's there's more to life than what happens every day in the barn. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I think, like, this whole conversation goes back to sort of what I was talking about in the beginning of the episode of one of these psychological needs that we have is for relatedness and connectedness with others. Um, and it is easy to get into this, like, oh, gosh, like, I just... I waste all of my energy, my batteries drained um, by the end of the day that I don't have the capacity for anything else. I don't have the capacity for a social life. But realizing that even when you are tired, sometimes adding some sort of social event into your life will recharge the battery despite your perceived levels of energy just because that is going to give you such a benefit of connection. And I feel like it's worthwhile to address, you know, an idea of isolation because, Emily, I feel like our, you know, views are kind of skewed having been in Pennsylvania around so many people in the horse world for so long that, like, you know, I forget the first job that I did, like, I really was the only one looking after 15 horses a day and um, and then I moved to Maryland and, like, I would have help here and there, but sometimes... I would reach points where I would be the only one on the farm taking care of the horses. And it was very isolating in those times because, you know, again, now I'm doing all this work by myself all day long and I'm exhausted and I feel like, oh gosh, I don't have time or energy for anything but this. But then, you know, I'm just spending day in and day out without leaving the farm or doing anything else. And like, to me, that's a very, very a precursor situation for burnout so yeah I'm glad you brought that up um because that can definitely be an issue again we've been well I've been pretty lucky all of my working student position jobs have pretty much like had a lot of people involved in them but um yeah, so thanks for touching on that point, because that can be hard, and I do think that when you're considering being a working student for someone, um, you should just, like, know what kind of setting you're getting into, and um, there's plenty of really good professionals that may only have one working student, you know, so you aren't going to get the community as much, but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't work for them. You should just then figure out you know, like if you're okay with working on your own during the day, like how can you um, connect with people to keep yourself from feeling isolated? Yep. Yep. Good stuff. Well, love it. I, hope, I love it. Yeah. I hope that uh, that was helpful for you guys. Um, and I think it's time for our training tips of the month. So my yeah. my tip to all of you working students out there is to ask for help when you need it. Uh, I touched on that earlier in the episode about how, for me personally, as a professional, I like it when working students ask for help. Um, and it can be scary to say, like, you don't know how to do something, but... I think if you're working for the right person, they're going to appreciate your willingness to admit that you don't know how to do something and probably put more effort into teaching you because of that. 
if that makes sense. So don't be afraid to ask for help. It can be like on your own horse. It can be, um, you know, doing something in the barn, whatever. Uh, but I think it's important to not be afraid to let someone know when you need something. Yeah, and I feel like, too, um, if you are in a situation where part of your compensation is supposed to be lessons and, like, stuff has happened and you're not getting the lessons or the help that you need, again, you have to place value in your position to want to stay with it long term. So if you're not getting out of it what you want um, and need, then you are going to get burnt out. You are going to want to leave. And I feel like sometimes it's just, it's not even uh, the professional's fault. They're just like, you know, not aware of the situation. They've got their own stuff going on. And you can just be like, hey, I know you're really busy too, but I'm really struggling with this. Like, can I have your help? And just make it more of an open, mutually beneficial relationship um, than trying to get stuck in this mindset of like, I'm just on an island with no one uh, here to help help me. Yeah. Good point, Tyler. So what is your grooming tip of the month? I uh, also, like you, tried to cater this to our topic of the episode. And so I feel like... Uh, with anything in grooming, like practice makes perfect. Clipping, braiding, like obviously there are some things that you can't do in the heat of the moment, right? Like a horse is about to be clipped for a five star. That is not the time to be practicing or trying to clip for the first time. A horse is braiding at a show, like that's not the first time to be trying to like figure out your braids. So, you know, I know that when I transitioned from my first working student to my second working student job, there was like a different standard for braids and everything like that. And I was like, oh crap, like I'm just not as good at this as I thought. And so I would spend every day after work just putting like two to three braids in the mane, just practicing two to three. It didn't take very much time, like 10, 15 minutes. I just practiced my tightness, my technique, so that when a horse show did come, there was no frustration to it. It was like, I've practiced practiced this. I know what I'm going to do. So, you know, if there's something that you find is a weakness in your grooming, make sure you set time uh, to practice it and get better at it even though, again, you know, it's a long day, it's hard to, to be disciplined to do that, but it's going to pay off in the long run so you're not creating stress in already long days. Excellent. Uh, practice does make perfect. So, or what's the other saying? It's like perfect or practice. Perfect practice makes perfect. Yeah, okay, that's it. Whew. Yeah. Sorry, I'm drinking... Um, some water that has apple cider vinegar in it right now. Oh. And I think I just got a swig that had, like, a lot of apple cider vinegar. And I was like, whoo! Yeah. (laughs) That'll wake you up. All right. Yep. Well, uh, I think that pretty much wraps it up. But thinking ahead, um, we do have some hopeful clinics in the future when I get back from England. Right now we're working on setting one up in Wisconsin on October 22nd, 23rd. Stay tuned for more details, but that is currently in the works. We also have, um, I think, a November weekend available. Haven't completely checked if you are good with that weekend, so I'm not even going to name it, but I think we have a November weekend available, (laughs) and there should be several weekends in December as well. So, um, yep. And in the meantime, I am also available for, um, mindset clinics. I do group individual work, like all that stuff on sports psychology. Um, help me help you help me is kind of what I've been saying. Cause obviously I'm collecting hours. Um, and you know, if you have a barn local or if you want to do a webinar, I'm personally available for all that stuff while I wait for Emily to join me for some of these clinics in the winter. Perfect. And I know that people really enjoy your mindset clinics. So if you are at all interested, I highly suggest that. All right. Well, I think this has been a pretty good episode. I hope you guys have learned a few things. Um, Tyler and I kind of brought both sides 
of the topic to the table. You know, we've had experience on both ends being a working student and for me being a professional and having working students and for Tyler who has managed working students. So um, yeah, I hope this helps you make working student life a little bit better. As always, we love to hear your feedback. Reach out to us on social media. Subscribe, rate, review our show. Uh, that's available on Spotify now if that's where you listen to our podcast. Um, love hearing listener stories of how something that we've talked about has helped you or you know uh, anything that you'd like to hear on the show in the future. We're always open to ideas. Yeah, so we really appreciate you listening. Thank you so much. We're here bridging the gap between riding and wellness. And in the meantime, enjoy the ride. Yeah, okay, cool.